This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Well, I want to start off by reading to you uh, two portions of scripture. The first is found in the book of 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, verses 12 through 16. Now, I would love for you to write that down. So if you're taking notes, go on ahead and write that down. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 12 through 16. If you're not taking notes, write that down. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 12 through 16. And then we're going to skip on over uh, to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. So let's read through these scriptures, and then we'll jump right in. 1 Corinthians 2 says this, starting at verse 12. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit... Who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only Through the Spirit. So in other words, it's not their fault. Verse 15 says, though, the person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Come on, that's good news right there. But we have the mind of Christ. Of Christ. Skipping on over to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. I'm going to read from the King James Version so you know it's real, okay? Old school right here. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study to show thyself approved. Over the course of the next few moments, I really believe that we are going to leave this place differently. And I believe there are three groups represented in this place. There's, there's one group, there's, there's a one group that you came in today, you came in today not knowing what to expect. You did not come in here, you did not come in here thinking you were going to receive a word that might shape and change your life and your opinions or maybe your decisions and moves you may have to make for your business or your marriage. But many of you that came in without that expectation are going to leave this place with something that God is going to speak to you about for your life. Then there's another group of people. This, this group of people came in today overwhelmed you got a word from God but you're completely you're completely overwhelmed by life and what it may mean if you decide to do this you're you're going to be released from that fear and anxiety and you're going to commit on taking that word and then lastly there's a group in here that that believes they heard from God about something marriage business life children but is not necessarily sure and this is the moment where God affirms it. I want to take the next few moments and I want to preach to you from this idea, the student versus the scavenger. If you're taking notes, write that down, the student versus the scavenger. Memorial Day weekend, I'm so happy it's here because that means summer is right around the corner. And, 
And because I am a dad and I have been a dad now for over 12 years, I have two beautiful children, one of which Chloe is running around with some of your team tearing up L.A. somewhere, somehow. What it always reminds me of is that summer is upon us and school is almost over, which now means we're going to have to figure out something to do for two months to entertain the two children we have. You know what I mean? Like, we thank God for school because it educates them and takes care of that six hours. So we, here we are, summer's upon us. And I can't help but think of, man, just a few months ago, we were, we were getting ready for school. We were we were getting ready to start not only a new grade, but now we're home. We were starting brand new schools for both of our children. I remember that first day of school driving my children, and I could just sense that they weren't too excited about starting this brand new school. How was I able to sense this, you ask? There was just something on the inside of me. It's fatherly intuition. I'm a good, good father. I could just tell that there was something the matter, that they didn't want to go, because as my daughter screamed from the back seat, Dad, please don't send me to that hellhole. It was then that I knew, I don't think she wants to go, you know, like, she's not happy about this. So I go, Chloe, what's, what's the matter? You don't, you don't want to go to school? She's like, Dad, it's, it's just too much. It's, it's, it's going to be after new friends and new teachers, and what if they don't let me use the bathroom? You know, like, she's, all these insecurities are just running through her mind. Now, as I'm listening to my baby girl speak, my heart's breaking for her. And quickly, I'm trying to figure out how could I ease some of the tension for her? What can I do? Can I, can I, introduce, can I introduce myself on behalf of her to her friends? And, and can I figure out the whole lunchroom fiasco? Remember the lunchroom fiasco? My, like, can I do all that for her so that she doesn't have to do it? And then I realized that if I did that, two things would happen. One, I'd be arrested. But two... I'd be robbing her of the life experience of what it would mean for her to have to walk through that herself. So my daughter Chloe, she's a bit of an overachiever, so I decided to speak to her pride. I go, Chloe, don't you want to graduate? And she says, and I quote, yeah, dad, duh. Of course I want to graduate. I just don't want to go to school. And I thought, man, Chloe, you are preaching right now, okay? Because if there was ever a generation that wanted to receive accreditation and wanted to receive accolades and wanted to receive all the benefits of putting in the work without having to put in the work, that statement fully describes the current world that we live in. We have a whole lot of people that want to be able to snap the photo of them walking across the stage, but not enough people that are willing to put in the work so that they could walk across that stage. Am I telling the truth? We live in a world today. We live in a world today where, where everybody wants straight A's, but nobody wants to put in the work to get the straight A's. We, we live in a world where people want to be considered the teacher's pet, but not enough people that want to spend time with the teacher. I've realized in this, in this world, in this social media-driven 60-second preaching clip, conference-swapping, church-jumping generation, that the people, the Christians, are divided between two groups. You have the students 
and the scavengers. The students and the scavenger, the, the students and the scavenger. And the thing about it is you can't really figure out who is who in church. It's after church and how life plays out and the decisions you make that you're able to decipher who is who. I don't want to get ahead of myself, so let me give you two definitions. First of the student, second of the scavenger. Can you put that first definition up there of the student? A student, someone that is able to remember and apply scripture when necessary. Not someone that is just able to memorize scripture. We'll, we'll get to more of that in a little bit. Give me the scavenger definition. A scavenger is a person who searches for and collects words anywhere they can find one. Do you know what I mean when I say words? You know, a word is what somebody accepts to then make a decision for their life. I received a word, so I'm going to take that job. I received a word, so I'm going to marry him. I received another word, so now I'm not going to marry him. They receive words, and they're only as strong as their last word. So they go around their life making decisions based off of the emotion or the feeling that they felt when they heard something said without any other solid foundation. And this is why, this is why they're in great danger of trying to exist in their relationship with God because everything for them is tied into emotion and not foundation. See, please understand what I'm saying. I am not speaking against books. I write books. I'm not speaking against conferences. I love conferences. I am grateful for the conferences. I love Zoe Conference. I am not speaking against all the other things we do in Christendom. I am only pointing out that the books and the conferences and all the other programs, those were not made to supplement your relationship with God. Those things were only created to complement your relationship with God. None of them were supposed to stop what it is that you were supposed to do with you and God. So I thank God for the 60-second preaching clips. I'll probably post one a little bit later on. What I'm saying is your diet cannot consist of 60-second sermon clip to 60-second sermon clip. You cannot be as strong as your last sermon because we serve a God whose word is never failing. We live in a world today where there are students and scavengers. I, I want to give you three truths of the scavenger. And then I'm going to give you three truths of the student. Three truths of the scavenger and then three truths of the student. Can I get truth number one of the scavenger? Truth number one of the scavenger. A scavenger searches for words but never looks to the actual source. A scavenger searches for words. They, they spend their life looking for words. They'll, they'll go to one church in the morning, another church in the evening, and then they're going to someone else's small group. Like they just they go around. They're, they're looking for, for words. Because they rather rely on someone else's revelation as opposed to seeking God for themselves. They, they go around searching for words but never look to the actual source. See, I was in Dublin, Ireland. And I was preaching at a conference. And when you fly overseas, you don't just like preach once or twice. They're, they're like, man, we flew you out here. You're going to preach as much as we got you for, okay? Which is totally fine. I'd, I'd preached a whole bunch of times out in Dublin, Ireland. And, and after I was done preaching my thousandth time, this, this young lady comes up to me and she goes, Oh, Pastor Chris, finally. And I go, I'm sorry? And she goes, finally. I've been dying to meet you. And I'm like, you have? And she's like, yes. 
You have a word for me. And I'm like, I do? Is it different from the hundred I just spoke? Or just let me know, you know? She goes, no, no, you, you, you don't get it. I was just in Dallas a few weeks ago and you were preaching there. And I felt like you had a word for me, but then when I tried to get to you, you, you were already gone. So, so now I'm here and I'm like, wait a minute. I started to do the math. I'm like, you went from Dallas to Dublin to get a word from me? She's like, yeah, no. Now I'm confused, you know. She goes, I'm actually from New York. I'm from New York, you know. She goes, I go to your church. I got so mad. I was like, you're one of mine. You know, like. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> Someone can hear that and go, yeah, but look how persistent she was. She, she thought she, she had a word to get from you, so she didn't allow anything to stop her. And on one side of it, that can sound endearing, and that, could, that can sound admirable of her. But, but let's be honest, any well-seasoned believer would know that you do not have to travel around the world to get a word from anybody. You could just travel across your bedroom, open up your Bible, and say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. What is it that you would want to say to me? What is it that you would want to give to me? What is it that you would want, you would want me to do? Can you speak to me directly? See, here's what we have to understand. God is dying to speak to you. In fact, he died to speak to you. He literally tore down the veil to make access to us. And here we are running around hoping that somebody else would speak to us when we could actually hear from God himself. So is the, are the mornings really too busy? Is the, is the private time and the prayer time, is there really not enough moments in the day when literally the creator of the universe, he could be talking to a lot of other people, by the way, but he's decided he wants to be in relationship with you. And here we are saying we're too busy for God. I got to get to small group. What? We have to make sure that the very reason why Jesus came was not only to be celebrated, but it was to be appreciated. It was so that we could enter a relationship and go one-on-one -on -one and have conversation and, and listen and talk and listen and talk and, and allow him to lead you and guide you. I think it's great that we listen to preachers preach. I'm one of those preachers. But what I could say to you can never take the place of what God has already said to you. Can I give you truth number two, the scavenger? A scavenger never settles in the word because the scavenger has never allowed the spirit to settle in them. A scavenger never settles in the word because the scavenger has never allowed the spirit to settle in them. I opened up reading to you that verse in Corinthians where it talks about it's only the Holy Spirit that fills you, that allows you to decipher through what is God and what is not. And we live in a world where so many people are good with God the Father because he represents authority. And they are good with Jesus the Son because he comes off like the beautiful humanitarian, which he was. But, but to negate the Holy Spirit is literally to negate one-third of who God is. We serve a triune God. 
He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, all three of which make up this one God. And I just find it so interesting and sad how so many people will dismiss the Holy Spirit because they blame their weird experience at some other church and some other moment that they had. And because they had a weird moment where people were doing weird things, now all of a sudden they don't want the Holy Spirit because they think the Holy Spirit's weird. When the fact of the matter is the Holy Spirit's not weird, people are weird. And because people are weird, it's ruining our perspective or thought on who the Holy Spirit is. But think about this. Jesus dies, right? He rises again, but then he leaves to heaven so that he could send the Holy Spirit to us. He literally sent the Holy Spirit as a guide to lead us and guide us. And here we are saying, I don't want the Holy Spirit. That's weird. It's too much. And you don't even realize that's God's plan for you, that the Holy Spirit would fill you and lead you. So when you're making prayers or when you're trying to figure out should I take this job should I take this flight should I be with this guy should I be with this girl it's the Holy Spirit that's going to lead you and guide you we have to be a church and I know Chad and Julia's heart that we would be a church that's committed to allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us point number three truth number three of the scavenger the scavenger doesn't discover the depths of God and as a result, ends up drowning in the storm. They don't discover the depths of God. This, this speaks to this idea of revelation. Understand that there is no human alive outside of Jesus that could fully understand God. There is, there is always more to God. There's always more that you could learn from God. You've ever heard the term revelation? Revelation speaks to this idea that I could see God in a way that I've never seen him before. Which is why we never dismiss a service. We never dismiss a moment to worship. We've never dismissed a verse that we've read a million times before. Because even in a song that you've sung a thousand times before, even a church that you've been to a thousand times before, even a Bible verse that you've read a thousand times before, God could reveal himself to you in a new and greater way. This is why I love that story in the Bible where Peter is... Walking on the water. Have you, have you heard of this story before? I know it's one of those hidden gems. No one ever preaches that one. <laughs> Peter's on the boat. Jesus is walking on the water. He says, Lord, if it be your will, allow me to come out and be on the water with you. Jesus gives him one word. He says, come. Peter steps out of the boat and now starts walking on the water. Can I tell you that even in that moment, Peter's perspective of God has to shift because Jesus will look very different in the boat than he will in the water. This speaks to the idea. He looks very different when you're waiting for the miracle. And then when you are in the middle of the miracle, you start to see God in new lights and new ways so now as he's walking on the water with with Jesus we don't know how long that moment lasted we know that it lasted it could have been 30 minutes or three seconds however is Peter was walking on the water and that's enough but in the moment of seeing Jesus in this new light in this great revelation a storm starts to happen but friends anytime God chose and reveals himself to you in a new way of course a storm is going to happen because the enemy is not going to sit back with this newfound revelation and allow you just to progress. He wants to rob you from that experience. So now a storm starts to happen. The waves start to crash up against Peter's legs. And as the waves start to pass up, um, smash up against his leg, he now starts to look down at the water. And as a result of looking down at the water, he starts to drown. Why? Because anytime you take your eyes off of Jesus, you will drown. 
James actually calls this man a double-minded man. He says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He's like a wave in the sea tossed back and forth, back and forth. This man will never be able to please God. In other words, they make a decision and then they change their mind. They make another decision and then they change their mind. Jesus wants you to be committed to following what he's called you to do no matter how deep the waters sink. And no matter how much it rains. So as it's crashing up against his legs, I just imagine. I imagine a Peter, very concerned, very overwhelmed, arguing with Jesus in this moment. It's amazing. This is what we do, by the way. We celebrate Jesus when it's good. But then we try to tell Jesus what to do when times are bad. As if he stopped being God. Jesus, I'm going to drown. And I imagine Jesus saying, Peter, just keep your eyes on me, son. I got you. I imagine Peter saying, no, 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 you don't get it, Jesus. I'm a man. I shouldn't be able to walk on this water. And then I imagine Jesus saying, Peter, trust me. Just put your eyes back on me. You were just doing it a few seconds ago. Put your eyes back on me. And I imagine Peter saying, no, no, you don't get it, Jesus. Let me break this whole thing down to you, okay? It's science. I'm not sure if you know how this works, but it's liquid, and I can't walk on liquid. But then I imagine Jesus being Jesus and saying, Peter, I understand the water is liquid, but understand my word is solid. When I tell you to walk, you walk. When I tell you to go you go when I tell you to step you I know it doesn't make sense for the position you're in but I'm telling you to step out I know it doesn't make sense for your business and your five-year plan but I'm telling you to step out I know it doesn't make sense for your children or your marriage or your finances but I'm God and I make it all work the way that I make it want to work so stop questioning me and allow me to be God of your life it's one thing to worship me with your mouth but worship me with your actions worship me with your decisions worship me with your steps I know it doesn't make sense but I'm God you can't fully understand me he's trying to see that we would be a generation of people that are so committed to him that it doesn't matter what it looks like what's his what say you God let me give you three truths of the student is this helping anybody Three truths to the student. Truth number one of the student. A student studies the word. That's easy. A student studies the word because he or she knows that a test could happen at any moment. This is why the Bible says we're to be ready when? In season and out of season. We're, we're always ready. We stay ready we don't we don't allow we don't allow a certain season to dictate how much we study or not but every day we study the word you know one of the things that i loved about pastor chad when i met him and julia years ago I remember staying in their house for like a week, and every day we would get up and do devotions. He'd be like, yo, let's go get coffee and do devotions. And I'm like, man, I've never really did that before. We don't do that in Queens, but sure, let's do it. We're in Washington, you know. I love that he was so committed to the word of God that even having a friend with him didn't change what he needed to do. We got to be the kind of believers that we don't allow anything to stop our studying. We don't allow the seasons, we don't allow the days to determine whether or not we're going to keep reading or keep pursuing him because we know we always need him. Why? Because just like L.A., it could be sunny one day and then cloudy the next. And I want to be ready for all of it. The verse I read to you was study to show thyself approved. That verse does not mean one day you're going to stand before God and God is going to say to you, hey, how many verses do you know? 
and you're going to be like 15, and he's going to be like, okay, tell me them. And then you're going to go through all 15. And then someone else is going to come along who's like, hey, how many verses do you know? And that person is going to say, I know 18. And now all of a sudden that person got the better house in heaven because they knew more than you, okay? They don't, they don't get the special VIP and you don't. That's not, that's not what this verse is saying. What this, what this verse is saying, study to show thyself approved, means when life happens, because you studied that word, you could pull out that verse and apply it in this moment. So when you're feeling doubtful, you could pull out the verse. When you're feeling full of shame, you could pull out the verse. When the storm starts to happen and things get, to re get really rough in your home and in your marriage and in your relationships and on the job, because you studied, you're going to show yourself approved that you believe in the word and are able to take God at his word. Truth number two of the student. A student allows the word to study them. Now this is one of my favorites because this speaks to the idea that I'm not just reading my Bible to get through my Bible reading plan. But I believe very specifically that God has something he wants to say to me today. So I'm not going to just read and close my Bible or I'm not going to just pray and say the same old prayer or just worship and go through the motions. But I'm going to stop and say, God, what say you? Because did you know that the Bible is the only book where the author is always present? And because the author is always present, he wants you to understand that in every verse and in every word and every line of the Bible, there is weight, there is power, and there is authority. And if you would just stop and say, God, what did you want me to get from John 3.16? What, what, what did you want to speak? What did you want to say to me? This is why you ever read this ver the word Selah in your Bible? You, you ever see that word? Selah, what it actually means is pause and think about it. Stop and allow God to speak to you. Because can I tell you, when you pray the prayer, God, make me a man or make me a woman, he starts to speak to you and show you things about you that you didn't even know were there. I was talking to a brilliant leader the other day, and he said this quote. I love it. He says, I don't know what I don't know. I love that. I don't know what I don't know. But I do want to know what I don't know. How could I know unless someone tells me? You have to allow the Holy Spirit to tell you and show you the things that you didn't even realize were there. Because you start to read the word and you start to say, God, speak to me and guide me. And all of a sudden he starts to show you the bitterness that's been lodged in there and the anger and the uncertainty and the doubt and the distrust and the hatred and all those things that you never thought were inside of you. All of a sudden he starts to deal with you. And because, because we're human and we think the way that we think, we only want God to deal with what we want him to deal with. However, he knows better than us. So let him talk to you about you of what you may not even be aware about. Number three. Truth number three of the student. The student is able to stand in the midst of storms because the student is daily being washed in the waters of the word. A student is able to stand in the midst of the storms. They're able to commit and go through. You, you ever had a moment in your life where something you weren't able to do before you're able to do now? A moment where you maybe failed before, but you were able to succeed now. Another time you lost, but this time you won. There, there are so many Christians that believe that the extent of their Christianity is trying to live really good until they don't, and then respond and pray, and then try to live really good again. 
But when you allow the word of God to be your foundation, you don't have that kind of mindset because you realize that the grace of God, it covers me, leads me, and guides me. So I take that, I establish that, I take God at his word, and I just keep on going, I keep on living, I keep moving forward. There's this beautiful story in the Bible right after Jesus is baptized. He comes out of the water and it says that the spirit takes him to the wilderness. And when the spirit takes him to the wilderness, it says that the enemy was there or how the Bible refers to him as the tempter. And the tempter starts to tempt Jesus. And we learn so many great principles here. It says this in Matthew 4 verse 3. It says, now when the tempter came to Jesus, he said, if you are the son of God, which side note, this is how the enemy works. He'll always question your identity to make you believe that that's not really your identity. If you are the son of God. In other words, are you the son of God? Did he really call you to preach? Did he really call you to start that business? Did he really tell you to marry? Did he really tell you not to eat from that tree? It's always with the question. If you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. Verse 4. But Jesus answered and said, it is written. Which, man, that might be one of the greatest clapbacks in history right there. It is written. And in other words, I don't got to say a new thing. It's written. And here's what he does. He recites a verse from the Old Testament. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Think about this for a second. It's Jesus. Every time he speaks, it's scripture. So he could have gave us a new scripture in this moment that we could have used in our lives. But instead of giving us a new word, he repeats something that's already written. And what he's teaching us is that when you're attacked and when you're tempted and when you're dealing with persecution and when you're dealing hardship, you don't need to say an old thing, you, a new thing. You could just say an old thing. You could say what's already been written. It is written. So when the person is dealing with captivity or bondage or frustration and the enemy says to you, you're never going to be set free, you're never going to make it out, you go, no, no, no. It is written. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. When, when the enemy says you're going to fail, you say, oh, it is written. And I'm more than a conqueror. When the enemy says you're always going to be last and you're never going to move ahead, you say, uh, uh the first shall be last and the last shall be first. I am the head. I am not the tail. It is, it is written. You start relying on that word and you allow that word to lead you and guide you. You don't need a new word because you already have a word that was, that was spoken. Two summers ago, I had released a book came out in July and I was, I was pretty excited about releasing this book because well I'm someone that grew up with a learning disability I hardly read books growing up and here I am on my second book in this moment and in June I'm in my office and my, my publisher sends me some advanced copies so I'm in the I'm alone in my office and I got my book in my hand I'm just looking at it to be honest with you I'm very aware that I probably shouldn't be an author. <laughs> so it's really surreal, and I'm just like thanking God, just being honest. I can't believe it. As I'm doing this, I hear a knock. And then my friend just walks in, which is awesome, by the way. Because what's the point of knocking if you're just going to come in? You know what I mean? Like, how about waiting? That's a fun idea, you know? <laughs> Comes in right away, completely unaware of what's happening. Goes, bro, I got to tell you about this girl I'm dating. 
And I'm trying to give him the hint. Because I'm like, I'm not turning my body towards him, you know? I'm just holding the book. And I'm like, I'm like, wow, bro. How cool. He goes, oh, oh, is that your new book? And I'm like, yeah, just came in. I was looking at it by myself. He goes, oh, bro, I got the sickest idea. He goes, let me get one of the books, and I'll give it to this girl I'm dating. I'm like, wow, what a sick idea, you know. Give him the book, looks at it, gives it back to me. You got to sign it. Okay. <laughs> it's a really long signature. Hand it back to him. Takes it, opens it. He goes, that's it? I go, what do you mean? He goes, write her a word. And I'm like, I don't know her. Besides, I wrote the book. You want a word? All 200 pages. Here. Here's a word, you know. And I feel like we live in a world today that is running around searching for, for words. And, and what they're looking for is something new when they actually have everything they need in the actual book that was already written to lead them and to God. So I want to say to the one, like, oh, you came in here and you, you need a word? You, you, you need a word? Well, what kind of words you need? You need a word on God's direction? Cool. Psalm 23, 2 says, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul and leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Oh, you don't want a psalm word? You want a Proverbs word? Okay, Proverbs 3, 6. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Oh, you need a forgiveness word. Here's a forgiveness word. Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive others their trespass, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespass, neither will your father forgive you of your trespass oh you're brokenhearted and you need a brokenhearted word here's a brokenhearted word psalm 147 3 he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds oh you're dealing with fear and need a word on fear isaiah 41 10 so do not fear for i am with you do not be dismayed for i am your god i will strengthen you and help you i will uphold you with my righteous right hand oh you're tired here's a tired word matthew 11:28. come to me all you who are weary and burdened and i will give you rest oh you need healing he's a healing word psalm 103 verse 2 bless the lord oh my soul and forget not all his benefits who forgives your iniquities and heals your diseases oh you're dealing with trials and you need a dealing with trials word how about romans 8 37 no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us no i'm dealing with shame i need a word on shame need a word on shame keep reading the verse because he writes for i am convinced not that i speculate not that i hope not 50 50 but i am convinced that nothing in all this world neither height nor depth angel nor demon past nor present nor anything else in all this world can separate me from the love of god through christ jesus our love oh you need a word how about this word? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and he came down to earth, put on flesh for 33 years, and died, but three days later he rose again. And at the mention of this word, demons have to flee. And at the mention of this word, 
healing happens and at the confession of this word lives are saved if you know this word and are grateful for this word I dare you to lift up your hands open up your mouths and give Jesus a shout one two three go